A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. So it's Roger Federer against Novak Djokovic in the men's singles final here at Wimbledon. And Matt Roberts is here. Hello, Matt. Hello, David. Catherine Whittaker is here. Hello, Catherine. Hello. And, oh, well done. This is how close Catherine we are to the end. Oh, we're already going to get chucked out. Well, the good news is, folks, yeah, we will make our way to the exit gates in about 40 minutes. The good news about everybody being chucked out is that the, uh, the very loud people having a picnic about three tables down are being chucked out, leaving us on our own, which is fantastic. Uh, first of all, Catherine... How's the sting? <laughs> uh, it, the, the swelling has gone down. I have taken some antihistamine. And uh, as, as far as I know, I've not been dropped from, from my presenting gig over the weekend yes. due to an unbroadcastable face. That's what I've heard. So, yeah. mission and, accomplished. And she's wearing a massive <laughs> net over her head at the moment, <laughs> just in case another wasp tries to try its luck. Now, uh, we have a very special guest with us here on the Tennis Podcast uh, this evening. We had Mary Carrillo with us yesterday. And for a very first time, we have the WTA Insider and a co-host of the NCR Tennis Podcast, Courtney Nguyen. Hello, Courtney. I'm following Carrillo. You didn't tell me this. <laughs> oh, this is this is tough. Now that's but, how good hello, we think you folks. are. Oh no, I don't think so. It's a joy to have you with us. Though. It's lovely. How, how are you doing? I'm doing great. We're we're almost towards the end. We got two pretty big finals lined up, and you know, as much chaos and kind of not. I mean, it wasn't a chaotic tournament. Actually, that's not probably true. But obviously, some of the big storylines. We really didn't know how the second week was going to play out, mm. and as it turned out, it's it's two pretty pretty great four people in uh, over the weekend. So I can't I can't complain about no, it. No, actually. Actually, I think if you were to, at the outset of the tournament, mark down what you would like in the finals, you'd probably pretty much go for this, wouldn't you? Or what you might expect to see in the finals, David. Yeah. Oh, look at the look in her eye. <laughs> Catherine has got two out of two. She hasn't or got four, four out, out of four. four. You're joking. No. Did you really? Mm. You got Serena Simona. That is impressive. That is a good pull right there. Yeah. Wow, I'm, I seed my WTA many insider sl- tag how many to, slams to Catherine, been, honestly. Uh, throwing stuff at the wall and hoping it sticks with predictions. Well, 
Some of it has stuck. <laughs> look, at, look at the look on her face. Courtney, you you know, this is what we get. I'm stunned. Oh. I'm stunned. I, I don't, I mean, I don't think Serena and Simona were picking themselves to be in the final <laughs> on Saturday. So, I mean, props to you. Mega I, props. I heard you get a percentage of the prize <laughs> as a result of this. So, Let's uh, make it happen. Like yeah. Nishikori underarm serves. Indeed. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. Well, we've, we, we've, we've done that. Yeah, Speak things exactly. into truth. Yeah. Speak them into truth. One it's for important. one there. Uh, right. Well, let's talk about today. First of all, um, I, I think Roberto, much as we love him, and Novak are going to have to wait just a minute because we've just finished uh, Roger Federer against uh, Rafael Nadal, episode 40, um, and it has been won by Roger Federer in four sets. I, I've just commentated on it for, for BBC Radio, and I, I, I personally find it really quite hard to assess how good a match is when I've commentated on it. I'm sort of, I've, I come off commentary and I'm a bit lightheaded really. I don't really, I don't remember that much of it until I go and see it again. So you three are going to have to tell me what sort of match it was because, I mean, I kind of have my sense of what it was like, but. <laughs> well, I, I, Courtney, what were you watching? <laughs> oh dear. I was a little bit late to um, the supposed match of the day because I had two other matches of the day that I was occupied with. But uh, but yes, I started the first set watching the Ostapenko mixed doubles oh, well, uh, out on number one court. I can understand that. Yeah, well, I mean, if you had an opportunity to just sit quietly and watch Elena Ostapenko go batting practice at dudes, you'd do it too. Did she it's hurt weirdly her? cathartic. Did she hurt her own partner today? She didn't. Or she um, he hurt himself. He had to take a medical timeout to... <laughs> to help his hip which is odd because Yelena Ostapenko was the one doing all the work carrying the team so I don't know how he hurt that hip but uh, but somehow she was able to kind of lift them up just with herself with her big shot making and she put on a clinic I mean it sounds funny to say based on you know where her tennis is these days on the singles court but she put on a forehand clinic she put on a backhand clinic she served it out with an ace she had some incredible net reactions and was incredibly Yelena Ostapenko the whole time so it was genuinely uplifting to just watch all that go down so I had to had to finish that out before finally turning my attention to center court just to be clear so what is the mixed doubles final who is it the mixed doubles final is Lynchstedt and Ostapenko against Chan and Doddig uh, Doddig. oh I mean I'm going to watch that now it's going to be good just had the big write up there Uh, okay so we know that what happened in your eyes in Roger Federer against Rafael Nadal. How, how good was it? What were the what was the feeling watching it? Well, Matt and I were, were just saying before before we came on air while you were fetching the beers, David, that I, I think actually it's quite difficult for everyone to accurately assess how good it was because I think the brilliance of the closing moments, closing minutes, closing 20, 30 minutes obscures the whole match it was the the final stages of that match was so good it eclipses everything that went before it and what went before wasn't bad at all it was also brilliant in patches but it was all about those last 20 minutes you do get that don't you from time to time and and that is the way you want it you want to leave a match oh thinking it was great because you've just seen something brilliant right at the end so it was good to have that great climax but the first three sets were kind of a little bit like some of their other grandstand matches of recent past where they've they've each been playing well but not necessarily at the same time and I think we certainly saw that in the first two and a half sets where Federer was really good in the first set and Nadal was clinging on a little bit more um, trying to fend off a few break points that Federer created then the second set Federer went walkabout 
and then it didn't actually... He tanked. It was a strategic tank. It was, he curiosed, as I was telling my friend. Yeah. He pulled into Kyrgios and said, you know what, that took a lot out of me, that first set, which was very tight and I thought it was really great. Then took a the foot off the gas pedal in the second set and then just put it back on in the second. I mean, the third and fourth, what, he made six unforced errors combined in the third and, and, and fourth sets, which is unbelievable. But I totally agree with Catherine's assessment. You come out of it on a high... But you kind of forget that that maybe for two hours of that, it was kind of just rolling through and, and kind of waiting for something to happen. And luckily something did in the but final He did game. have chances at the start of that second set because he was mm-hmm. really coming on strong and middling the ball and he had two break points. The moment he didn't take them, and he didn't take them by hitting backhands halfway up the net, as though his timing just evaporated. And I didn't quite understand why, but yeah. he didn't win another game after that. I tweeted... Do you remember when Federer's backhand was a weakness against Nadal? And then, literally, the next five minutes, Federer spent the whole time making backhand unforced errors, and everyone was coming at me saying, oh, this tweet aged well, didn't it? Um, but, yeah, when I was watching that second set, I did, it, tanking didn't come to mind initially. I just thought he'd, like, completely lost his game. And then when he was It was so only the last game, really, that he just decided, I'm 5-1 down, he did a sabre. Yeah. When was the last time you saw him do a sabre? <laughs> Right, the old sneak. I don't think he's ever done one on centre. Other court. people are doing sabers now. Yeah, um, he's and, over them. And then he then he actually did a return, which he was almost like a, a forward defensive stroke in cricket, where he just sort of stubbed it into the ground and then just walked off. <laughs> he, he can play cricket, can't he? But he you basically see, you did. See him hit on cover drives court, in, in, in practice sometimes. His mum's maybe he's uh, excited South about African, Sunday. Right? Yeah, he's played a bit. Yeah. Okay, so he. That one went away in about 20 minutes. I was commentating on that. I think, you know, and as a commentator, you're thinking, I hope I get a really good set. And then I suddenly got that load of rubbish. Were you you thinking during the commentary, can can I say that he's tanking this? Because I thought you were were implying it. And then Tony Livesey, the the presenter, came in in between sets. And his role is the kind of... um, the, the observer, the outside observer, the everyman, the, 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 everyman, the, the, the non-expert, and he plays it brilliantly. <laughs> and he just went, David Federer's just tanked away that set. What happened? Yeah. And it was... Well, I mean, I was quite happy to say he do, he was not trying at the end there because he's conserving energy for the next sure. set. And smart, I think. <laughs> I mean, Match management. Your goal is not to win every point. Your goal is not to win every game. And your no- goal is not to win every set. Your goal is to win the match. Just like in a tournament, your goal is to win the tournament. I mean, you know, it's this weird If you just written Bernard Tomic's um, appeals a, letter. Well, there you go. Well, Anna Tannis really, but well, sure. We'll go with Tomic. <laughs> if, only, if only he was that artistic. <laughs> exactly. But, but I, I do think this. I think that sometimes, you know, this, this sport, we... It's very easy to do it, and we want to do it because we're so passionate about the sport. We want to sell the sport. Is that we end up lionizing things that maybe we shouldn't be, and that we end up mythologizing things that we shouldn't be. And this romantic ideal of, you know, like when you look at the the how Rafa is spoken about, which is 100% accurate. Never takes a point off. Tries every single time. Hard on his sleeve. You know, all that sort of stuff. Great. That's great for him. It's not great for everybody else. And 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 it does, you know, we don't allow for the nuance in how this sport is meant to be played and how it has to be played nowadays by a 37-year-old out there who is playing a guy who doesn't take points mm. off. Maybe I'm going to take a point off to conserve myself for two sets. Mm. And when he came off court and did the flash interview with Lee McKenzie, mm. she, she, I mean, her first question was very general, you know, how are you feeling? And the first thing he said was, I'm exhausted. Yeah. And it wasn't that physical a match. I mean, it was... I, of course it was quite physical it was Federer against Nadal but Stressful. it wasn't mm. physical exhaustion it was it was nerves frayed 
um, three hours, three minutes of, of stress that was yeah. was pouring out in, in the sweat. My, my sense was the only time they played well at the same time was the start of set four. And I felt like that they were both just swinging for the hills, partly because Nadal knows it's now or never. You know, he's he hasn't got any more in the budget. And, and but Federer I also was, think, sorry, I also think for Federer it was now or never because in a fifth, mm. you're absolutely mm. going for Nadal. I, I think that was the that was the perfect balance. You always want Federer to be ahead in the score for the sake of the match because because you 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 don't think Federer can do it in in five. Certainly not against Nadal. Mm. The um, the nerves that you describe. He top edged a smash into the into the opposite of the raw box, the other I end. You know, I, I mean, it was, it was <laughs> an absolute. I've never seen him do that. Not, I mean, I've seen him shank a million balls, but never on a smash like that. And what was that? To, I can't remember where that was to go, but that, that was in the score. serving for the match about fifteen all, something yeah. like that. It was right towards the end, and he'd already had a couple of match points in the in the previous game on the Dahl's serve which he hadn't taken and he'd, and he'd done this remarkable act of self-sabotage with the Hawkeye amazing. when Nadal had, Nadal had hit this serve which Federer had just completely nailed the return but almost just after he had hit the return before realising how good of a return it was he said challenge and then almost these things were all happening at the same time he said challenge and Nadal hit the ball in the net and if Federer hadn't said challenge he would have won the point and it would have been match point and it would have been match point and then the serve was in so Federer had lost the point it was just this sort of crazy theatre and drama that was going on and in they, the last two games they both ended it with no challenges remaining didn't they oh it's an amazing time amazing for advertisement for, <laughs> for my, our podcast have but, you ever seen that where they yeah. both had no challenges remaining uh, we've I, seen it a few times but definitely not between these two mm, right. uh, that was that was pretty surprising and and I, I did love I don't know if you saw Anne Kianthavong's tweet mm. uh, after that moment where she said Fed always trust in James <laughs> uh, <laughs> her brother obviously James Kianthavong in the chair who, who was just nailing oh, course, oh, he's, he's, he's a stud he's, so he's an absolute stud um, but I don't know about you but maybe this was part of the reason you named the podcast what you did but the moment that James said there's something slightly morose about the way they <laughs> say right. Mr. Federer has no challenges remaining <laughs> and you, are, you go oh <laughs> <laughs> it was when they said it about Nadal that, yeah. that it felt yeah, particularly Federer's bad morose. at challenging it, yeah but it was Nadal. like Nadal Fe- Fe- your, your challenge is over Fe- I don't think Federer's like. yeah. not in the top 100 for challenges no no he's, he's appalling he's just above Sitsipas <laughs> who is the worst <laughs> he's very very he's bad he's terrible Stephanos. so this this final game five match points I mean I, I, I've spoken to a couple of people now the, the common agreement appears to be if Federer doesn't win that game he may well not be winning that match for me there were similarities not in terms of the the tennis but it in exactly what you've just said to Andy Murray trying to serve it out in 2013 exactly. he's two sets to love up he's I think 5-3 mm. and yet he now by his own admission said if I didn't win that game which had about five juices in it I think it, he said well, I, I think it could have all and it could have all gone wrong, and especially because in that in that Murray final, uh, he had dominated the match. I mean, the scoreline when you when I link back on how I felt 
watching that final game and then I see what the score line was it's like why the heck was everybody yeah. stressing out like you know I mean he was he was totally in control but in that moment it didn't feel like he was and given all the momentum you know everything in the moment and what was at stake that had Novak broken that you're like oh yeah this is gonna go south in five and and that's a little bit of, of what we kind of thought a little bit you know today as well because Roger was rolling along and 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 that that those final two sets never really felt in danger. Yeah, okay, maybe a break point here or there, but nothing massive. The momentum hadn't shifted entirely. But with the, the shank, the overhead shank, and then, you know, everything that had been conspiring against him in those last about 15, 20 minutes, you felt like, okay, if he doesn't get over the line, everything, this match is now officially flipped on its head. Do we think Nadal will have regrets tonight? I mean, sometimes you lose and you just say, okay, fair enough, that guy was amazing. But will he have regrets? I mean, based on what he was saying in his press conference, he basically said, look, I wasn't hitting the ball well today. And that, that was my problem. I, I, I wasn't feeling the ball. I couldn't hit the ball. You can't beat Roger with pace. You have to you get him out of position and, and put him in awkward positions. I couldn't do that because I wasn't hitting a clean ball. If I'm Rafa, which I'm absolutely not, because we do not think the same way at all, I will not try on every single point. But um, to me, that makes it a little bit easier. Like, like you go home and you think, you know what, I didn't have it today. And that's really frustrating. Yeah. And the opportunity was massive. And I'm going to rue the missed opportunity to make a Wimbledon final because I know that these opportunities are not always there. But I, I don't think I did anything necessarily wrong with what I had. Mm. And and you can't, I mean, if he's the type of person that's going to rue, did I mess something up before that um, to put myself in this position to not perform as well as I wanted to, then that's different. But when you don't have it, you don't have it. But it's not a mental decision that you made wrongly. I mean... The phys- it's, a, it's a sport mm. what I thought was really interesting today was Federer won more of the long rallies like I mean mm. how mm. just against the narrative is that that Federer was was winning the long rallies against Nadal who has dominated in him in those exchanges like their whole career but I think you know I picked Nadal to win today but I, I overlooked how clear the strategy is now in Federer's mind when he plays Nadal now that he's improved his backhand he can go toe-to-toe in the dark from the baseline he can push him out wide the way that Djokovic almost does with his backhand and then kind of take over with his forehand come forward all these things are clear for Federer now he's not he's not thinking how do I beat this guy he knows now he just has to execute and he he did in all the key moments today Mm. Yeah, and I think that the big thing about that is that when we look back on their rivalry earlier on, when everything was so slanted towards towards Rafa and away from Roger, it wasn't that Roger was not as good of a tennis player. And, and yes, okay, there's matchup problems, obviously. But exactly what you were saying, Matt, like he didn't know how to play the doubt would creep Mm. into his mind and the decision making was always a little bit suspect when he played Rafa and that was what was unsettling and that would lead to the shanks and the terrible breakpoint conversion and all these sorts of things now five straight wins you know over that stretch of time that he had and and played him really good in a hurricane just a few (laughs) weeks ago I mean you know wasn't close to getting the win but played him incredibly well I think that that's the thing is that he knows now the doubt is gone and it's just about executing. Mm. He couldn't execute in Paris because of a variety of different reasons. And maybe the surface still gives Rafa the edge. But here, it, I agree with you. He, from the first point, he looked like he knew exactly how he wanted to play Rafa. Do you think Rafa was annoyed that he wasn't able to prove the Wimbledon seeding policy? <laughs> I think. Well, I think it's one of many. There's so there was so much at stake today. You know, 
he can't close it to one slam now. Um, he, he he may still get away with it because old Novak might come in and do his thing. But, you know, there was a lot on the line But today. then Djokovic will be on his heels. Yeah, I was Who asking, would he rather win? This is what I was asking a, a, a Rafa fan today, hmm? is, is who, do you, who do you root for? If it's if it's Novak and Federer, do you root? Do you say, okay, look, I'm never going to catch you, but gosh darn it, to heck, that guy ain't catching me. <laughs> or do you say no? But I still believe that I can catch you, so I'm not worried about the guy behind What's me. What's the answer? They didn't know. <laughs> I, I'm still waiting for a text. Back. Okay, right. we'll, we'll, we'll check in with like you later. It's like one of those, you know, lateral thinking puzzles. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, to yeah. no win. The, the thing oh. is, my family taunted me. To me, me I don't want. I don't want the guy to catch me. But just yeah, after. But, but, but I think that's why we're not yes. champion tennis players. Yes. I would be worried about the guy behind as well. Yeah. But I think they're up looking top. at the guy in front. <laughs> up top. And, and, but high just five. after the just French Open. Just on a high Open. five here between the tennis <laughs> podcast and the NCR tennis podcast. Good radio. <laughs> but just after the French Open, weren't we saying that Nadal could overtake Federer's just in terms of French Open? It's like the rest of the slams st- are still relevant, but as long as he can keep playing the French and still be full pelt of the French, he could catch him just with the French mm. Open it's like let's not forget what happened a month ago and how he just dominates that tournament so Federer's got to go and win his Wimbledons I mean you know it's hilarious isn't it oh I'll tell you what yeah you might win that one but I'm going to win on my turf that's and fine. the fact that this conversation is happening now in 2019 <laughs> again a conversation I was having earlier today where somebody said you know the big three have had it easier now than they have ever had it yes and I was and I thought about it I was like gosh darn it you might be right because to me like you know you, you rewind it five seven years ago you still had the songas the the burdicks the ferrers these stoppers these consistent top tenors that were in there and that were great and they still were in the mix in now, the mix i mean you know you yeah. you're looking at the average what is this, the average ranking of these of these guys when they got into the semis i mean it was dire mm. across and, the board and also i think and andy murray being out yeah. for, for two years has had a big impact on that like there's, there's been there's been no one even if Murray's ranking was a bit down he might take them out in the quarters or something like that but he's not even been around and Del Potro has had his injuries like it does feel like they have it easier now than they did a couple of, well, and you couple also, of years ago you also lopsided the draw which sure. is what happened obviously mm-hmm. here when is that when you when had the four three, yep. it was all good and that was a four back when people were still making fun of, fun of Andy Murray being part of the four like <laughs> oh no 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 it's a three plus four whoever wherever Andy hap- lands everybody's happy <laughs> but now you, you have a gaping hole in that four spot yeah. um, and that leads to um, some, some wacky draws for sure so talking of the other draw uh, Novak Djokovic was a bit ratty today, wasn't he? He was in a right old mood out there for the first couple of edge. sets. He, he managed to beat uh, Roberto Bautista, who I tried to get the nickname The Robot going for, and it didn't seem to take off. In fact, I put the vote on it, and 65% said no. Catherine <laughs> <laughs> uh, Whittaker was absolutely adamant that I should shut up. Um, he test audienced it on us, and we both said absolutely <laughs> not. And then you went to desperation in Twitter... I was trying to get a flailing. Last trying to get move. it over the line, but it didn't happen. And then Simon um, Briggs came and, back with yeah. Ro, Roboto Bautista. I, I know he was trying. Yeah. To, he was trying to pick me up. And then Brad Gilbert put you away. All right, <laughs> <laughs> Brad Gilbert blocked me on Twitter a few years ago for having a go at his nicknames. Oh, fantastic! Which um, and then Catherine got me unblocked uh, by being a peacemaker. So, so that was all good. All the branches. Yeah. Such tremendous work. Yeah, although I suspect I, I may... have a few that you can iron out for me, Catherine, if you'd like. <laughs> I may be behind the the, uh, the wall don't again. Podcast ambassador. I don't think I I no, act these are not as a your Twitter fights. peacemaker these anymore. <laughs> 
Right, so... Um, Yes, they split the first two sets today, and Djokovic seemed to be getting. I didn't. I haven't seen his press conference transcript. He seemed on court to be getting really fed up at the crowd, uh, going for his opponents, you know, bigging him up. And he did some sarcastic applause. Yeah, he yeah. did the whole. He oh. got broken, and then did the whole waving to the crowd like, "That's right, get louder, get yeah. absolutely." Yeah. And he's he's not going to like Sunday. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> This is the Novak Djokovic I personally love. Mm. Oh, yeah, Is the me one too. that just embraces the edge, that embraces the bad guy. Pissed off Novak Djokovic off is, is the best. I way agree. The best. What I hope to hear from... I didn't go to his press conference. Uh, what I hope is that he owned that in press. Yeah. Because uh, I'm well, sure he was asked about the... it. I agree with you. I don't mind that. I would be pissed off if yeah. I was out there as the world number one and everyone was cheering for bloke across the net that probably half that crowd had never heard of <laughs> I would be really pissed off and yeah. I, I want him to own that in press and say yeah it was what was your pissed. sense Matt, from uh, what you heard my sense was that he he just said oh he was the underdog it's usual that kind of thing <sighs> yeah which I mean look there's some, is, there is yeah. some truth out there today yeah. that is true mm. um, it's just the way it is I mean that having been said, if it had been Federer or Nadal against Bautista, it would have been less than that. Mm. It just would have been. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that, that's the what you have to give huge credit to Djokovic for. I think is that he he has these episodes and he comes through them. He finds a way to win anyway. And I think he uses them yeah. to, to mm. his own advantage. Like he needed something in that match to change the match because Bautista Agu was trading with him frustrating him he needed some kind of spark from somewhere and he kind of used the crowd to get himself energised a little bit in a way and um, yeah Bautista Agu played well but Djokovic while not playing his absolute best just managed to find a level that was too good for him Federer has never beaten Djokovic when he's had this absolutely raging crowd behind Mm. him that's two Wimbledon finals and there's that US Open final which was deeply uncomfortable Um, and each one of them Djokovic just stared Federer down stared the 20,000 people down and and said come on then I think it's it's the best it could Mm. be uncomfortable on Sunday I think Mm. except that how uncomfortable do the cucumber sandwich eating well, British public I mean, to be honest, no, make they, they, it? That's it why was, you got to get the Q people in. They had their moments in 2014. They really did. Um, but it was, as you say, you singled out that US Open final. It is different. That was the worst. The, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was the worst. But he beat, he beat him anyway. So it'll be I, I fascinating. What I'm saying is I don't think they'll be cheering Djokovic's double faults no, they, uh, no, they in the way they were. Which was, uh, it's just We're a little horrible. bit different across the pond. <laughs> yeah, no Slightly so. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's okay. Happy to say it. Happy to embrace it. Um, but we are. <laughs> we take great pleasure in a little bit of needling. And so I, so does, I think, Novak Djokovic. I, I mean, I think that when he embraces it, when he owns it, it's always what I wanted from him from 2006 was go and be the bad guy. Go break up this duopoly at the top. Own it. You're never, I mean, people are just not going to like you and it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Because you, 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 you've the, come the along third base, and The fan base is split. Yeah. There's no one to come to you like so hunting yeah yeah Yeah. just own it go in and and just put your head down it and be that guy and you know and to his credit he's 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 done the ambassadorial thing and you know credit to him for it but but just me personally the novak that i like is the one that slaps that forehand return against roger at the u.s open final and is like bring it like you know like i love that guy that guy's cool me too what what do you think is going to happen in the final courtney i I need i personally need 24 hours on this (laughs) having got roger federer right in four sets oh my but hang on nothing's changed since yesterday when you correctly predicted federer would win this one in four yeah and then you put it and you in tandem predicted 
Federer would win the final against Djokovic. So yeah. nothing's changed. Right. I didn't ask you. Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say the number one player in the world is probably going to win that match. Um, I just, I don't think that Roger's ever beaten them both in a slam, uh, Rafa and, and um, Novak. I think that this effort took a lot, both mentally, maybe not as much physically, but he's still 37, and then that does matter, and the recovery is going to matter. I think Novak, again, has just, the thing that, I, that always impresses me the most about Novak is his ability to manage a tournament. So he never seems to put in more than one ounce extra of effort to get the win that he needs and it might not be the most efficient of wins it might go four um sometimes it's three but it's um today against roberto batista agut i was not impressed really with the novak that i saw i thought that it was very contained and he wasn't hitting big and he was just kind of just playing this very conservative level and he dominated the match so he's managed his tournament better less has been asked of him compared to Roger so I'm going to go ahead and, and, and give give the, the, the edge to him and, and I think there are some parallels with 2015 for Federer when he just put in that divine performance to beat Murray oh, yeah. and everyone oh, yeah. was thinking okay he's playing the best tennis he's going to win and then he comes up against Djokovic and suddenly you realise that Djokovic is able to put Federer in more uncomfortable spots and do things to Federer that others can't do and I think yeah, Federer wasn't completely divine today against Nadal but he had his moments where he was mm right at the top of his game and it can be easy to get swept up by that yes. but he, he has found that formula against Nadal I don't think he's found it against Djokovic I mean when was the last time he beat him over five sets I want to say it was here in 2012 it's been it's been a long time since he's beaten Djokovic over five sets yeah in 2012 actually that was in yeah and it was a four set win mm, in the um, semis yeah I remember doing that match and uh, and then Federer played Murray in the final and, and, and beat him um, okay Right. Well, uh, all I wanted to ask, Catherine, is, is do, does anything you've seen today change your view in any way? I mean, yes, I, I've gone out on a limb and I've said my thing, Federer, whatever. Uh, but does anything change? Well, yes and no, because exactly as Courtney and Matt have just pointed out, I was completely swept up in Federer's performance today and slightly underwhelmed by Djokovic's. But as Courtney very eloquently explained there, that doesn't really mean anything. No in the final and that comparison with 2015 and that I remember <laughs> being swept up with Federer's victory over Murray in that semi-final and you do get swept yeah. up yeah, with all, his performances did. and tennis is about matchups. Mm. So and the day and and the you day know? and so yeah okay. although if I am if I if you know if if I am the elected person that predicts everything correctly this tournament uh what <laughs> Which is, Might as well get it out there. Okay, I get into truth. I said Federer, I said Federer Djokovic sets, before yeah. the tournament, but yeah. but the, I hadn't looked at that record of Federer never having beaten first the time other for two. First time and at thirty-seven, and he hasn't had a, he hasn't had a huge number of opportunities where he's had to play them both back to back. True. Which True. Okay. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Radio, that's, that's the men's <laughs> singles final. Tomorrow we have the women's singles final between Serena Williams going for Grand Slam title number 24 in the singles. She's got, what, 39 if you factor in the doubles and the mixed doubles uh, against Simona Halep, which is has been correctly predicted by Catherine, which I find extraordinary. I do too. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Courtney, from your vantage point, Simona Halep, Wimbledon finalist is that something you thought you would ever see i mean obviously she's an excellent player catherine had had let us know that daniel dobre her coach was sort of targeting wimbledon yeah. which is which is interesting in itself but i mean did you see any, this coming at all from from your uh this year i i it didn't cross my mind i've always been much bigger and more confident probably in simona's prospects at wimbledon than she and I were joking about it before than even I than she is like she you know I, I think that if you make a Wimbledon semifinal which she did in 2014 she rolled her ankle against Eugenie Bouchard that moment has always been for me the sliding doors moment on the mm. WTA tour because I don't I think that Simona wins that match against Jeannie I think that a final against Petra is very different um, even though we, we saw how Petra played and everything but I just think that it was a moment there when you look at Simona and you look at her career and, and you follow it closely she wins on all the surfaces. I mean, there's an, a very fine, good argument to be made that she should have won the 2015 U.S. Open. She lost to Panetta in the semifinals then would have played Vinci. That was the big uh, calendar slam uh, run with Serena. Uh, she very easily could have won the Australian Open last year. Caroline Wozniacki took that medical timeout late in the third set and basically froze Simona. Her body just didn't recover after that. 2017, if she doesn't get Ostapenko the way that Ostapenko Ostapenko'd, you know, that's another one. I mean, we're talking about somebody who really could be a three- to four-time major champion by now. Um, and so when it comes to grass, I mean, she had a title in Sertogenbaugh. She's, she's, I looked up her results, and I was like, oh, you've pretty much made quarterfinals and semifinals of like 80% of the grass events that you've played. It was just in her head in her head she she wasn't she didn't feel stable she didn't feel safe on the grass and that's all changed here and and i i i talked to a, a romanian reporter as well before i saw your tweet about um the interview with daniel dobre having him saying that we're targeting wimbledon 
but my Romanian friend was saying the same thing. He spoke to Dobre back in, in March, or not March, but uh, after Miami, so it would have been April. And he said the same thing then. He said, I think she can win Wimbledon. I think that she wow. can do it. So, you know, that's a that's a great adjustment for her. But it, just in general, she's, I think, coming out of the French Open, and as she said, nobody died. I didn't defend my title. It was fine. Like, it was, you know, it's chilled. Um, and just finally letting that go. She came in here under the radar. Nobody's talking about her. You know, Coco Goff takes all of the oxygen out of the room in the first week, which I think also helps Serena. I think it also helped Simona. I think it helped yeah. a lot of top players. Mm. And then they just get down to business in the second week, second week of the tournament. And I was thoroughly impressed by her performance against Fidelina. So I'm not surprised to find her in a Wimbledon final because I've always believed that she could win this title if the if the draw broke her way and a few other things. But but I didn't necessarily think it was going to happen this year. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you feel that Coco Goff has helped Serena. Obviously, you know, just some somebody else to take the attention, etc. Um, <coughs> we we reckon that Sarandi helped. Yes. Serena as well. Yeah. You know, having another event to play, get some form in, and you know, something to just smile about. And, and really. she said that yeah. in every press conference. Mm. She said how much the mix has helped her game and the her mentality. Sort of feeling. I mean, it, it it made a light. It made it a light tournament. Yeah. You know, I mean, normally when Serena comes to an event, whether it's a slam or a tour level event, it's heavy because because you feel like, um, I don't know, the whole tenor of the event changes. You feel like it, not that it all of a sudden matters anymore, because that's absolutely not what I'm saying. But but she just has this aura and this energy that that, sh- that shifts, you know, kind of the landscape when she's there here, because you ha- you you didn't have to spend a 10 minute press conference pestering her with questions with how's your knee how's your body how you feeling 24 oh you haven't had matches it didn't have to be this negativity because all the questions are going to be negative you know she hasn't played she said this is now going to be what her 15th match of the year 15th 20th match of the year so sarandi created this instance where you could ask her something fun and you could still get a story and it didn't have to be about the tennis. And Coco Golf, you could ask her about Coco Golf, and honestly, a lot of column space was being dedicated to Coco. So the uh, that also um, takes away the focus. And so she just went, you know, went through went through the gears through the first week, and then once Hallett beat Golf, now we got to the business end of it, and and things kind of picked up. But um, I think it was massive that that both of those things, Coco and Sarandi, kind of just helped just make it light make it fun you got to see serena smile and giggle and i've never seen her so happy in a press conference than when she was sitting next to andy murray and feel absolute adoration from the crowds here not just appreciation which they all have of course but adoration and these guys are human beings with egos and they like to be loved yeah of course of course so uh, the final tomorrow um nine one is the head-to-head for serena williams um i I still think she will just she she just overpowers players if she's on. Um, but what about this idea that Hallett might do a Kerber from last year? She could. Every single one of her Grand Slam final Simona's played. The four previous ones have gone three sets. Mm, they're always she's great. never. She's yeah, Matt cottoned on to she's this. She's never. Mm, she's stat. never. She's never not shown up. She I doesn't would, show up sometimes in matches. But she does in Slam finals. In Slam finals, she's, she's always there. The magic ingredient for a good Grand Slam mm. final. I mean, the best ones that we remember from Sharapova for 2014 all the way through. They're always compelling. They're always great. Mm. Serena's different. She's closed the talent gap though. There, Australian Open, um, the match they played in the. Th- third round or no round of 16 at the australian open this year simona basically had gone into that tournament 
barely practicing. She was out of shape. She knew it. Uh, well, she was fit, but she hadn't been hitting very much. She had basically agreed with herself, I'm going to have a fun as heck time during my off season because I've earned it. And I'm just basically writing off the first three months of the season. She goes into that match. It's one of the best matches of the year. Mm. Nobody ever talks about it, but Serena mm. Simona was great. It was. They played a great one at the Australian Open or US Open a few years ago, which was also a three-setter. I mean, she she has this ability to force Serena to level up. I loved Serena's quote about how the most important thing about her 9 to 1 record against Simona was Simona's be- beating her at the WTA finals in Singapore. She beat her 11 1. Yeah. And Serena said that I never forgot that. Didn't it was they have a rematch? In they the did, yeah, in, in the, the semis. Same, same, they, they, in that the was in tournament. group, and then they played mm-hmm. in the semis, and Serena creamed her. But, <laughs> um, but she said, I never forgot that. And that showed me the level that she could play, and that I always have to be better than that. And it was one of those very... I mean, she said it calmly. I don't want to say it was menacing, but I, <laughs> but in my own personal interpretation, it was like, oh, damn! Like, she, you know, like, Simona, you in trouble, girl. Like, you know, that it, sort of thing. But It's almost a bit Sharapova beating exactly. Serena when Sharapova was so young and... You know, Serena now knows I have to be on it. I to have to be her. on it to beat you, and I mm. want to beat you. And and Saturday's final pits against each other, the two best players of the last five years. Mm. If you talk about, I mean, we can we had this argument a bunch a bunch of us because I threw this out with a bunch of young journalists, and everybody's like, "Well, Kerber." I was like, "No, Kerber comes in and out." Simona was a top five player the entire time. She was a year on number one when Serena was out, so for two straight years, she's the best player since Serena's been gone. So. You know, that consistency she'll bring, she'll swing freely. It's an amazing moment for her and her family. She said that her mom always dreamt of, of her being able to play a Wimbledon final. So she gets to check that one off the off the board. I think she'll bring it. And when it comes to the tennis, I mean, we all love contrasts and styles. Yeah. And that's what you're going to get there. No, that would be good. <laughs> uh, if you haven't heard Courtney on the WTA Insider, WTA Insider podcast, you should you should go and have a listen, and also on her own podcast, NCR Tennis, with uh, Ben Rothenberg. But Courtney works behind the scenes year round, creating content for the for the WTA, um, unearthing some some cracking stories about all the players that, that we we cover, and, and it's a, it's frankly an invaluable source of information. Are you allowed to to do what we do though and start going predictions heavy and saying who's going to win? Because <laughs> I mean, if you can't, I accept it. But. No, it's it's fine. I mean, I I don't do it on behalf of the W. Like I don't put it on the website because yeah. then it's like players and agents. How dare you? It's a whole. So I I, I told them when they first hired me, I'm not, I'm not doing predictions. Not because I'm not. I mean, I'm terrible at them and they're fun. Oh, pretty the like, club, yeah. yeah uh, but uh, but I just don't want to get into fights with agents and players about oh you thought she was going to beat me and all that. But outside of the WTA website, I do them occasionally. I mean, I think it's going to be Serena, um, obviously. Um, I think that with Kerber, the final against Kerber, there were already going to be question marks because Kerber had done it before. Kerber had beaten her in a slam final. Um, There's a amount of respect there, and Kerber was a really good grass player, and we all kind of already knew that. So I was already kind of doubting that a little bit. Against Osaka, she hadn't been tested. There's a lot going on in that whole matchup between the two of them that is not about the tennis and you just had to wait to see how it played out here I've just been so impressed with her starting at the Gerges match Gerges she got up rematch of the semifinals in the third round she played an unbelievable match I mean Gerges didn't play badly at all blitz through Carlos Suarez Navarro in the round of 16 as one would expect quarterfinals against Ali Risk up against it tested 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 came up with the goods that's what I needed to see from Serena yeah. was that when you were uh, when you were under pressure because you've been freaking out mm. that's yeah, bottom I mean, line even you go all, all the way back to that Vinci match yeah. I think that was the first time I really saw her in a match just 
just freak, just lose her tennis because Shake her mind her. wouldn't let her yeah. convince her body to do what it needed to do. And and so I was impressed with that. Obviously, semifinal, great match, uh, great performance against Stritzova. But I think that risk match, the Gerges match, those are the two where I thought, okay, this is a different one. Simona, she's never played her in a major final. Um, obviously, the 9-1 and one helps. Um, I think that she knows what she needs to do against Simona, so I think the matchup is a little bit more comfortable. How, how big will this be in America if she matches this record? Is it a really big deal on the sort of grander non-tennis scale? I think that it is. I think that... <laughs> this is unfortunate for Serena, but the, I think there's a little bit of 24 fatigue yeah. that has happened because this is now we're, what, 13 months well, into it. Mary talked about that oh, yeah? yesterday. She, yeah. yeah, she said, I'm ready for her to just win 24 just, now mm. and, and that story being over. Let's move on, you yeah. know. So, so there's a little bit of that. It's obviously 8 a.m. East Coast time, uh, the final tomorrow. So breakfast at Wimbledon, people have to kind of get up for it. But she is, I mean... It's hard to really articulate what Serena Williams means in America, you know, just as a, as a, a figure that is bigger than the sport. I mean, we see her as a forehands and backhands. Great. Everyone else in America sees her as something completely different. I mean, you know, when, when my friends talk to me about Serena, it's almost like we can't have a conversation because I'm so in the tennis world of it. And there's so much in the cultural, larger meaning world of it that um, she's a star that she's a star icon, an icon an african-american icon what she represents to the black community in the states what she represents to women in the states what she represents to mothers in the states all that which for me in my role i only see her as a tennis player because I, I all that other stuff you know so it's um it's very it's very jarring in that way but the funniest thing is that if she hits 24 tomorrow then it becomes the march to 25 to break the record at the, in new york <laughs> if she doesn't hit 24 yeah, how good's that gonna be that's gonna be like i mean the the most hype <laughs> i have ever seen around tennis was last year was, was well i was gonna say 2015 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. u.s that, open one of the two yeah um I've never yeah, seen anything she, like she it was going on, around New York. She was yeah, two matches year. away from the calendar slam. And that yeah. Has she was not a Vinci and a Panetta <laughs> away from the calendar slam. She was in Italy away from the calendar slam. <laughs> and that's the, that's the most sort of blanket hype and coverage of a, of a storyline of a player I have ever I seen. It was and a coronation. It will, it will kind of be, if she wins here tomorrow oh. it will kind of be that I mean, US I, Open again yeah. I love Simona yeah. Hallett right but I want to feel that hype <laughs> <laughs> don't you David Law hype man yeah oh it'd be amazing the okay. on the streets in Bucharest though they'll, they'll rival the ones in the Canyon <laughs> yeah. of Heroes in, uh, I mean, in New York Simone, as, as big as Serena is in America S- Simona is Simona's number one probably in, bigger in, in Romania than relatively. Serena is, is that, in, it's, in America. It's actually yeah. quite uplifting, I find. Yeah. That when she played that exhibition the other week, oh, I, I was yeah. looking at those amazing. pictures and uh, the, these there's absolutely packed indoor. I think it was an indoor stadium, yeah. and I was thinking, where where is that? What tournament's that? What which which indoor slam final is she in? <laughs> um, but and that she, wasn't you know. even in Bucharest. That was in Cluj, Cluj yeah. which is a little bit further away. And yet everybody came in. I mean, when I talked to my, the Romanian reporters to ask them, you know, please explain to me the cult of Simona Halep because we see it in our numbers. I mean, if we write a Simona Halep story, she's probably our number one web driver. To be quite honest, her. Osaka, Serena, but because Simona's playing consistently, it's like, it doesn't matter. You know, the Simona sneezes rule. Simona sneezes, you write an article, (laughs) you know, and we all get paid. It's great. Um, And um, and I think, and the way that one of my friends described it was, Romania always obviously has a little bit of a tennis tradition. The young people, though, don't know the Tyriacs and the Ruzicis and the Nastasis and 
that area. So she's the first big star for the young Romanian um, fans. And because in the last Olympic cycle the and World Cup cycles, no Romanian uh, team in the, the World Cup and the, the gymnasts did not yeah. perform very well in the last couple. So they were like straight up. I said, who's the biggest sports star in, I was like, other than footballers, like who's the biggest sports star in Romania? They're like, oh, Simona. It's like, okay, what about with footballers? They're like, no, 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 it's still Simona. Like there's no one even close. And for this little, you know, <laughs> five foot four introverted it's kind of tennis player. It's kind of amazing. Yeah. Did you see her quote about where she would prioritize an Olympic medal, not an Olympic gold, mm. an Olympic medal? She said, she, what, "What did she say exactly, Matt?" She, she said, it "Would be number one, right? Absolute number one over yeah. a Grand Slam title of anything, an Olympic medal of any color." Yeah, oh. and that has to be to do mm. with representing her country. So I'm pumped about the US Open yeah. because of the Serena hype, and I'm <laughs> and now you want <laughs> now statues of Simona Halep all over the world. Can't yeah. we have all these things? Do you think she'll carry? I mean, I'm I'm obsessed with. The oh, Olympics actually, already, but do you think she might carry the Romanian flag? That would be flag? actually a really good call. Is, oh. the, is to have. Her. I mean, the only thing is that she skipped the last one, yeah, in Rio because of Zika concerns. That's what was said, but yeah. So, uh, but she has, I think, since uh, since checking off the boxes that were personal boxes, number one, year and number one, and Roland Garros specifically. Now I think she has thought a little bit more outward. Um, mm. Her efforts for Fed Cup were uh, monumental this year, trying to trying to win mm. that for for Romania. And I think she still wants to do that. Now talking a lot more about the Olympics in Tokyo. So you know, it, she's an interesting player to follow, just because it's hard to. I mean, it's easy to get into her mind a little bit, but um, I often wonder. We were talking about this yesterday about is Simona Halep an underachiever or an overachiever? Mm. Two-time year-end world number one, one major, now five finals Mm. total. Uh, Doesn't really tally up there real high with titles. You know, Petra's won more in the last few years. Svitolina's won more in the last few years. But at the whole time, though, she was trying. It wasn't like she just, she stand off Rinka and all of a sudden decided to, (laughs) you know, ah, I'm going (laughs) to work really hard and try to, I believe that I'm a top five player. Like she believed the whole time and just kept running up against it. Not like him coming out of the bar and thinking, tell you what, I think next week I might try a bit, you know, get in the gym. Um, Okay. Well, I tell you, all of this sounds fantastic. So let's, let's just look forward to it all. And uh, uh, meanwhile, we had today uh, Barbara Stritzova. Was that today? Mm-hmm. With uh, Shea Suey uh, winning seven six six four in the semifinals of the women's doubles, I, beating Tamea Babosh and Kristina Mladenovic. I love how probably the most individualistic, is that a word, tennis player, can be doing so well in doubles like Shay I just I love that she's found a partner in Stritzkova who they can connect on this level in doubles and it works and, and Barra lets her like celebrates the Shayness. Mm. like she's like you do you like yeah. please keep doing you it's great I, I actually saw Shay in practice this morning uh, going through some volley drill drills and they made absolutely no sense to me <laughs> at all but you know I mean most of her game doesn't but anyway well done to her um, so who are the, who are they playing in the final in the, they will be playing doubles? Dabrowski and Shu Gabrielle Dabrowski oh, from yes. Canada and uh, Shu they beat the defending champions they today, did right? they beat yeah. the defending champions and, and Stritzova uh, and uh, uh, Shay beat Babos and Mladenovic which means that if Stritzova and Shay win tomorrow mm. 
win the final, then Stritzova's number one wow. in doubles. What a but more importantly, it means that Barbara Stritzova and Chase Suwe will be at the Champions Dinner, oh. which the Insta stories <laughs> oh. will be tremendous. That would be good. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Uh, so I think that just about sums it all up today it's been it's been quite a day here uh, at Wimbledon I also know that there was a, a great wheelchair doubles win um, in the quads for Dylan Olcott and Andy Lapthorne I just wanted to mention that they won 6-2-7-6 I think that's the first time they've had that mm. and then they're now going to play in the singles final I think uh, yes I, that's right they're meeting yeah, in the singles final the singles so it's fantastic and that's the first time they've ever had quad Quads. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's uh, right. And uh, Alfie Hewitt and Gordon Reed reached the final of the wheelchair doubles uh, as well. So, oh, there's so much stuff happened today. It's hard to keep track, but um, it's been lovely having you with us here. This was a pleasure, absolute pleasure to talk to you guys about the tennis. Yeah. We don't do it enough. No, and and it's been it's been too long waiting for it, and we've now done it, and I've <laughs> loved it. Uh, so, uh, Catherine, uh, don't get any stings on the way home <laughs> or, or anything. Because people have been worried and they've been, you know, blaming me. Um, and you seem all right there. I'd send my mum an emergency text before the podcast went up going, I'm fine, I'm fine, just yeah. to warn you though. Because we're is... going to hear a scream. Yeah. yeah. We, we deliberately didn't You're kind going of... to hear some peril involving we... your daughter. It was quite shocking at the time. And then I think a few of the listeners thought, oh my goodness. The glee on David's face while he was editing. Well, well only once I realised you were okay. <laughs> I'm um, not that bad. And... Just for dramatic effect, we put the ad break <laughs> sort of just <laughs> after just after the sting. It was so. a sting cliffhanger. <laughs> That's it. Come back work. after That's the break. Editing. That's just good editing. That's Let's good find storytelling. Out if she lived. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So we've been the tennis podcast, brought to you in association with the Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com, with our mascot Rio with a Y. Uh, we'll be back after the women's singles final tomorrow. It's been lovely having Matt with us, having Courtney and Catherine. Thank you all for listening and for all your your very nice messages of support um if you do know anybody who remotely seems interested in tennis while you're watching the tennis with them just tell them about us tell them about the ncr tennis podcast as well because there's, there's you know it's not just us but you know there's more more room for loads of us and uh, you, you want to listen to us though for sure and we'll speak to you tomorrow even on a budget quality is non-negotiable that's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 